I don't want you be no slave. I don't want you work all day. I don't want cause kind of sad and blue. I just want to make love to you. Love to you. <laughs> Little buddy guy to open it. You're listening. You're to listening radio. to Radio Free, radio Satan. Free Satan. Com. Com. Enjoy the show. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. <laughs> Happy St. Patty's Day! <laughs> what a fucking joke of a holiday. Holy moly. Alright, of all of the holidays that we have sort of created out of thin air, I think St. Patrick's Day may be the worst. Now, I celebrate it because I am, of course, Celtic. I am the majority of my ancestry uh, hails from Scotland. And though no, that is not Irish, and yes, there are sharp division lines drawn there, we are all Picts in our ancient history, and so, because I want another excuse to wear my kilt, I will celebrate St. Patty's Day as a Scotsman, although I'm still better at it. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna, I wanna just kinda talk about St. Patty's Day and the absurdity of this holiday. More importantly, not even really the holiday, because there's a lot of absurd things that have been associated with it that have nothing to do with history. Big shock in our culture right now. But I want to talk about St. Patrick himself. Oh, yes, a patron saint of Ireland. Okay, and I'm going to be taking this, and this is just, you know, through my little satanic lens, uh, taking this from the holidayspot.com, and I'm going to be washing it down with bushmills. Can you hear that? Mm. <laughs> it's good. Okay. St. Patrick is known as the patron saint of Ireland. True, he was not born Irish, but he's become an integral part of the Irish heritage, mostly through his service across Ireland of the 5th century. Patrick was born in the latter half of the 4th century AD. There are differing views about the exact year and place of his birth. According to one school of opinion, he was born about uh, 390 AD, while the other school says it's about 373 AD. Again, his birthplace is said to either be Scotland or Roman England. His real name was probably Maywin Sukut, though Patricius was his Romanized name, and he later became familiar as Patrick. He was the son of Calpernicus, a Roman British army officer. He was growing up naturally as other kids in Britain. However, one day a band of pirates landed in southern Wales, kidnapped the boy along with many others. They sold his ass into slavery. That's right, Americans did not invent slavery, friends. <laughs> we just kept it going long after everyone else stopped. <laughs> Hey, when you got a good thing, why, why would you stop? Okay, but at least most of ours weren't children. Okay, some of some of ours weren't children. The majority of these guys. Anyway, <laughs> he was there for six years, mostly imprisoned. This is when 
changes came to him. You see, he dreamed of having seen God. Now, I'm sure that the literally tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands throughout the time span of the Roman Empire slavery uh, saw God, but he actually was cunning enough, wily enough, like a coyote, to escape and get on a ship and fly under the radar. He went to Britain and then to France, where he joined a monastery under Saint Germain, the Bishop of Auxerre. Now, what we need to realize here is that this is a a boy with no status, no history, nothing but a survival instinct. Of this, I absolutely appreciate. He went to the one place where he could find solace and lick his wounds, so to speak. Or, if you want to be a little more literal, exist as a human being. Again, I can't fault him. If I was in this place, I probably would have gone to a monastery as well. Now, the reality of the monastery life versus the uh, Christian propaganda of the monastery life, I'm sure, is drastically different. I imagine a rape prison of your own free will. But, you, you know, that's anecdotal and just based on human behaviors, certainly for the time. But let's put that aside for now, and, and let's just say that it's a tradition that the Catholic Church has never shook. And yes, we will get back to that later in the show. Alright, so while he's at this monastery, he's becoming religious. Well, you know, that's what history says. But let's take another look at the human motivations here. He wants maybe a little bit of a revenge. Maybe, rather than revenge, he just wants to feel significant. He wants to do something. And he realizes, with an education that he's getting at this monastery, he's got to put up with a few anal rapes, I'm sure, but that may be worth it for his ultimate goal. He wants, he has ambition. I can respect ambition. Now, it's not a saintly trait, but anyone that refers to St. Patrick as an actual patron saint is a fool, and they're ignoring human motivation, they're ignoring history, and they're probably still thinking about leprechauns and, uh, I don't know, pots of gold at the end of rainbows when <laughs> Patty's Day comes around. But I'm talking about the, the, the human touch behind this. He wanted to make something for himself, and so he did. And he did it with the only organization at that time that would allow him, that would give a slave an ignorant slave, an opportunity. Now, not everyone had these opportunities. He had to make it for himself. So you have to give him a little bit of do here. I mean, he's, he's worked for this, right? He ended up being known as the voice of the Irish. He traveled back to Ireland. And I don't know why I say back, because he wasn't from there originally. But we'll let Celtic history, as it always does, just make up its own history. And... He starts spreading God's will throughout the Irish countryside, uh, starting uh, small Christian fractions of uh, monasteries and uh, diocese in that area. Uh, now, the Irish attached a lot of legends to the reality of the guy, but in my opinion, he was just a human being who wanted to seize authority and power who was born into slavery. And that essence, that real factual part of his existence, I can absolutely respect. You know, you toss in the whole religiosity and, I mean, 
let's be honest, at that time, there were not a whole lot of really great thinkers, so it's not surprising that he would have fallen uh, and just ate up all the bullshit. But he had more drive than the majority of people that existed at that time. He created something out of himself. And in that example, I do believe, and this may come as a shock to you, that Satanists can find a little bit of inspiration out of that. You may be born into shit. You may have the world piled up against you at any given time. But it is your will that will allow you to climb out of that pit and command the world. Now, we as Satanists do not believe in an afterlife, but no one can argue that St. Patrick is immortal. And if that is your goal in existence, to be known, to have made a mark, this is a good way to look at an example and to take what you want from it. Make yourself in life. Do not let the world make you. And uh, for that, I raise my Bushmills. Mm, it's going to be a hell of a show, people. A hell of a show. In The Devil's Advocate, I love this woman. Which Sarah Rung put together with two other amazing women, Hell Magazine. And by popular demand by you, the listener, I asked and she responded that she would agree to read one of the articles from that first amazing issue. So, check out her Facebook page, Hell Magazine. Check out the magazine. It's free. Just look it up online. The article she's going to be reading, Satanic as Effectively Potent. And this is from issue number one of Hell Magazine, which Sarah Rung in The Devil's Advocate. That's right, you're not going to have to hear my dumbass talking. <laughs> well, you are for a little bit longer, but <laughs> not in that segment. In Infernal Informant, I have two articles, again, as always, as drone monopoly phrase, Obama seeks global rules. And pedophilia, not criminal condition, says Durbin Cardinal. Oh, you crazy Catholics and your raping of children. Does it never get old? And in the creature feature, I'm going to talk about Cross. Now, I know you're tired of hearing about it, but this is going to be a feature dedicated solely to the comic that I recently released and is actively available now, and I'm actively in the middle of making the second episode. So, I'll be talking about that, and hopefully, you will buy it. <laughs> and if you don't, uh, well, okay, I'll still keep putting them out. Okay, and yesterday, I, I uh, just a couple more issues I want to touch on before uh, I start the show here. I planned this barbecue, I planned this, my wife planned this barbecue yesterday for a friend and her family, and we got a ton of food together. I made sure there was a ton of alcohol available because... Uh, when in company, I enjoy imbibing. And we were planning on having this really amazing dinner and drink and discussion and evening. And it turned out where it was just her friend that came over. One person. So we had an insane amount of food for one guest. Uh, I mean, it's nice because then you get to eat the food for the next couple of days. Whatever, but it's a little bit disappointing, you know? I remember I used to have barbecues with 
five and six couples we would do fish fries and people would come and there'd be blues music and there'd be dancing and, and everyone would be jiving and having fun and now i've sort of degenerated to one person <laughs> showing up i can't help but take it personally <laughs> i don't know what the fuck is going on apparently i don't know i, I smell maybe uh maybe my food's horrible but yeah a bit of a blow to the ego i have to say and <laughs> Maybe I should have reached out to more people, but we did think that it was going to be a family. And we we're like, oh, do we have enough food? I don't know. Uh, ended up being way too much. So, yeah, that was my weekend. Um, a big, I mean, we had we had a good time. Don't get me wrong. But it, it wasn't what we expected. And so you can't help but be slightly disappointed when, when what you expect doesn't come to fruition. <laughs> you know what I mean? All right. Oh, yeah. Oh, how can I even forget this? So I turned on CNN. And... I see smoke rising from a roof and I start listening to the, um, sort of the talking heads and they're like the Vatican, there's smoke coming out of the Vatican and just excitement. I couldn't even help it filled my chest and my mind and I became super happy and like just giddy like a little child and I just couldn't believe it. The Vatican was finally burning to the ground. I was so happy. And then I realized that it was just because they chose a new pope and like depression settled on me like a thick woolen blanket smothering my my lungs. Ugh. Uh, another pope. Unbelievable. I was so excited. I thought it was burning. Uh, one can dream, right? Uh, and then I started to think, I mean, I'm sure like you, you've seen, or, or like me, like you, like us, we both, together, we have collectively seen these memes going around, your Pope, my Pope, weird examples, images and stuff. And I thought, well, I mean, that was, that was Anton LaVey that they were talking about uh, in those memes. And we, we, uh, though I don't believe Magus Gilmore has ever referenced himself as the Black Pope. Uh, you know, I mean, those of us who are in the Church of Satan may, and, and I certainly do, I, I am, I, I don't, I don't call him that, but I imagine him to be that, you know, the Black Pope, the, the current Black Pope, the person in charge of the Church of Satan. And it's not an official title, it's sort of a fun title that Anton LaVey made up for media, um, but it is one of those things, okay? So, when I think of popes, and I think of the Pope that was just, um, titled and i compare and contrast it to ours i can't help but think they're not even in the game baby i mean not even on the playing field so <laughs> their guy uh is um italian he uh grew up or or at least lived for a majority of his life in argentine 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 argentinia <laughs> bison argentinial <laughs> Whatever. I've had a little bit of this Bushmills. So, uh, and he did a lot of his, his work for the church, the Catholic church there. And so people are thinking, oh, he's Argentinian. It's a really this huge change. I'm like, well, okay, but <clears throat> who is the number one world power? And where would you actually want someone of authority to? to lead to be from and i'm sorry for all of you who listen who are not in the united states of america but we have gone to great lengths doing deplorable acts on the rest of the world to be earn to, to truly earn the title of the great satan and so i can't think of a better pope 
um, destination than, you know, an origin than the United States. So, um, we got the U.S., USA number one. <laughs> they have, uh, you know, a sort of a fake third world country. Really, he's Italian. Uh, two, he's, uh, he's got one lung. Dude has lived his life with one lung. Now, on its face, you know, big deal. He's a survivor. Awesome. He, he went through a lung removal surgery at a young age, and, and he's an old man. That means it was during a time that was very dangerous. So, hey, hats off to him. But, uh, yeah, our, um, our black pope, he's got both of his lungs, and, um, yeah. <laughs> Point two. <laughs> Okay, these are small things, okay? I'm not saying these are these are earth-shattering examples. Small things, but important things. Two lungs means you can, uh, you know, you can go toes another couple more rounds. <laughs> or you cannot get winded beating off in the shower. Not that either of these gentlemen do, I'm just saying. <laughs> that's what I would... That's how you know you have good, healthy lungs, <laughs> is beating off in the shower. Um... <laughs> This is horrible. Okay, it gets better. Okay, so uh, what does... uh, Can you imagine like a Pope being funny? Have you ever heard a joke from a Pope? I mean, they just barely got on Twitter, which I don't even know if that's even a a good thing, but it's always like, bless me and and bless you and and let's all serve together and and let's hate the the gays and, you know, whatever the, the, you know, let's rape some children, whatever the Catholic thing is on the Twitter sphere. You know what ours is? It's talking about accomplishment. Real-life accomplishment of active members. So you can either listen to religious rhetoric or see active accomplishment by human beings in the real world talking about real things, doing, achieving real physical success. We know that's not really a Catholic thing, so we'll shove it off to the side. What next? Do you think, other than little children, and I say this as a joke, but I'm absolutely serious when I suggest it, uh, because of its long history of doing such, and I'm, I don't think it's funny, I think it's disgusting, but it's a reality, and so I gotta bring it up here in jest. Other than children, do you think this Pope has ever had sex? Well, far be it from me to say, but I know my black Pope. Oh yeah indulges in the carnal life and though i don't imagine (laughs) i don't often look at the people i admire and imagine them having sex it's the idea that yes i know that they have an active life that it's just so essential to being a human being i i I, i'm gonna make a, a declaration here i propose if you have not smelled someone in a sexual way, if you have not tasted them on your lips moments after removing them from their hot bodies, if you have not caressed and squeezed and torn at their flesh, you have not lived. And how can you just pretend to know anything about reproduction, anything about what's good for the world at large as far as uh, sexual activity or behaviors or what's right or wrong if you've never, never been involved in it. 
And how can you respect another human being if you've never been brought to shame by them sexually? <laughs> I say this a lot in the show and probably too much in my real life. If there's no shame involved, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> it's a little bit funny, but a little bit true at the same time. Maybe not every time, but you know, it's healthy. Healthy. A little shame is healthy. So if you have never been with someone and just felt their heart pounding through their bones and blood and muscle on top of you or underneath you, or, you know, let's be fair if you're lazy on your side, because as I've gotten older, I've gotten lazy. <laughs> but <laughs> a little too personal there. If you just can't even imagine, you don't know what it is to know someone. So there's, if you don't know what it means to be a human being at his most carnal, then you know nothing about human beings. My black pope, he knows what it's like to be a human being. Their pope? No fucking idea. The best they get is raping children. And that is disgusting. Okay, next. Women. I mean, let's be fair. Not everyone's into women. Okay, so I'm going to say women, but you apply whatever it is that you're into. And hopefully that's a, a guy if it's not a woman. Otherwise, I don't want you to apply anything to it. Um, their Pope? None. No women at all. Not one. Not even a man. I mean, he's got like a, a, a camera lingo or, you know, he's got bishops at his beck and call to help him live his life. But he doesn't share with anyone. He doesn't connect with anyone. And I separate this from sex because it is separate from sex. Um, there are connections, but then there are true relation, you know, man and woman or man and man or woman and woman connections that you have with another human being that, that, that transcends sex, that is beyond the realm of sex, but is just as powerful. He will never look across the dinner table and see the gleam and the smile on their eyes and on their face and know that is beautiful and that is a part of me he will never know that my black pope yeah yeah he's got an amazing woman smart very talented beautiful what else do you need <laughs> oh yeah witty <laughs> funny yeah, I, I don't, I'm like, I'm like 10 for zero on, on the, on the Pope scale here. I know I'm taking it <laughs> like personally, and this is just for fun, really, but yeah, just sort of, you know, having fun. Okay. And so what does, what does the Pope do for a living? He goes out to third world countries and, and spreads his venom and his hate and shuffles child rape under the rug as if it's not a real problem and and he tries to reach out to modern day man by joining twitter and what does our do ours do occasionally he has interviews where he speaks truth to satanism champions the human spirit raises up the carnal and squashes the absurd manufactured spiritual you can't even compare you can't even compare one lives his life to spread lies venom and hate 
And ours? The Black Pope? He lives his life, and then occasionally he'll speak about Satanism and he'll hold up the banner for everyone else. So, I understand that I'm a minority, and I'm absolutely okay with that. I understand that my Pope, well, he's much more powerful. Uh, smaller audience, but much more powerful. And I'm okay with that. I would never trade in my Pope for any other. And I'm very proud of what my Pope has done. And though we don't really refer to him as Pope, and it is just for fun in this little exercise, I could not be prouder to call the Black Pope my only Pope. Think about it, people. Let's go ahead and dive into the Devil's Advocate. You are your father, the Devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. And you are the devil's advocate. I'm a Satanist. I'm an active member in the Church of Satan. But I do not speak for the Church of Satan. That is all. This is Witch Sarah J. Rung of the Church of Satan. Welcome to the Devil's Advocate. Satanic as effectively potent from issue number one of Hell. Production and sound accompaniment by Warlock Smokey DeVille. I appreciate cheese and schlock when properly done. There isn't a list of criteria anywhere for what must be included or what must be shied away from. Therein lies the trick beauty in proper execution. Aesthetics are a combination of natural resonance and effective expression, and it's all on you to do that work yourself. If it is a natural fit, it will be an effortless delight. There is a great deal of cheese and schlock when some people try to communicate Satanism. Not in the way that I appreciate, unfortunately. When it is something they are excited about, don't fully understand, and think automatically allows them to do something beyond, without it being their own just yet. The result is only an attempt to amplify the mundane in the way that is not a conscious celebration of the mundane. I can appreciate the well-meant intention, but that alone is akin to the gift, better not given, that I either throw away or only display when he's visiting. I am not trying to say that this expression is something that is reserved for the highbrow. It just doesn't have to be an obligatory adjective in front of everything, denoting some great big damn difference when one doesn't actually exist. When you know the eyes with which you see the world, you know how to articulate that in your own specific way. Such a thing is clearly satanic. But overstating the obvious is a dilution of that concentrated elixir. There is a lot to be said in favor of subtlety, a genuineness that communicates itself standing tall and quiet. That's power. In order to be listed as someone that really gets it, in permanent ink among my mental files, there are commonalities. Things that just never occurred to all of the people listed. 
Satanic isn't abused as a habitual adjective. That person has never referred to me as Dark Sister. It isn't assumed that we have everything in common. I haven't been asked to teach as if this was strip mall karate. My neighborhood isn't uglied up in any way by the addition. In fact, the property values go up. I don't want to take anyone by the left hand black and skip along some fictitious path to some fictitious hell, okay? That's beyond dumb. Take it somewhere else. When I do something extraordinary, it doesn't have to be out and out labeled as such because it is a given. Innovation, not redundancy. Those that are don't have to insist. When I watch my cat lazily rolling around in a patch of sunlight on the floor and in any way be herself, I can't help but know that she never had to learn how to be a cat. She was simply born that way. She is cat made manifest. Every action and reaction, every look my way filled with love or bitch in her eyes, every Johnny Cash bash, makeover of whatever of mine she's inclined to destroy. She never had to practice at being a cat, and were she unfortunate enough to understand people and their words, she would find it ridiculous to have her every instance as cat described as catic. Listen, I got a secret. It's, it's been eating me up, and I gotta share it with someone. Get the fuck out of here, kid. I don't know you. No, listen, man. It's about you. It's about your life. You're about to have what, what alcoholics refer to as your moment of clarity. What are you talking about? Are you okay, son? Sins are indisposable to every society organized on an ecclesiastical basis. They are the only reliable weapons of power. The priest lives on sins. It's it's necessary to him that there be sinning. Who the fuck are you, kid? I'm your infernal informant. As drone monopoly phrase, Obama seeks global rules. This is Reuters, and it was posted by Tabassum Zakaria on the 17th. President Barack Obama, who vastly expanded U.S. drone strikes against terrorism suspects overseas under the cloak of secrecy, is now openly seeking to influence global guidelines for their use as China and other countries pursue their own drone programs. The United States... It's kind of funny, I'm going to break in real quick. As long as we're the only ones doing it, we are completely okay with utter secrecy and zero guidelines. But the second someone else tries to... We better get this regulated, people. How can we have other people droning over our side? <laughs> Meanwhile, we've been doing it all time. Ah, oh, the United States was the first to use unmanned aircraft fitted with missiles to kill militant suspects in the years after September 11th, 2001 attacks on New York and Washington. But other countries are catching up. China's interest in unmanned aerial vehicles was displayed in November at an air show. According to state-run newspaper Global Times, China has considered conducting its first drone strike to kill a suspect of the 2011 murder of 13 Chinese sailors, but authorities decided they wanted the man alive so they could put him on trial. That doesn't say, that's not the China I know. They're kind of like, you know what, just murder them or lock them up forever. But trials? Nah, that's transparency. We don't want that. 
People say what's going to happen when the Chinese and the Russians get this technology. Uh, the president is well aware of those concerns and wants to set the standard for the international community on these tools, said Tommy Veter, until earlier this month, a White House spokesman. As U.S. ground wars end over in Iraq, drawing to a close in Afghanistan, surgical counterterrorism targeting has become the new normal, Veter said. Amid a debate within the U.S. government, it is not yet clear what new standards governing targeting killings and drone strikes the White House will develop for U.S. operations or propose for global rules of the road. Obama's new position is not without irony. The White House kept details of drone operations, which remain largely classified, out of public view for years when the U.S. monopoly was airtight. The stance is now just beginning to change, in part under pressure from growing public and congressional discomfort with the drone program. U.S. lawmakers have demanded to see White House legal justification for targeting U.S. citizens abroad and to know whether Obama thinks he has the authority to use drones to kill Americans on U.S. soil. Uh, before I go forward, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little torn on this because I gotta be honest, if they're, and th there's this rather large caveat I'm about to speak of here. If there is actionable intelligence saying that a U.S. citizen has aided terrorists, or we'll just say enemies of the state, a broad term, uh, I'm okay with that. If they have actionable intelligence that they have aided enemies of the state, I don't mind, and they're not on U.S. soil, I don't, because then they're no longer acting as U.S. citizens, I don't mind if they're just uh, droned, <laughs> we'll call it, we'll add a verb here, they're droned um, and murdered that way, because they gave up their American civil liberties the minute they turned traitor to American interests. Now, if you cannot find yourself on the right side of American interests in our convoluted American system, I think there's something wrong with you. We do everything out of self-interest, everything, and we do our damnedest to ignore the rest of the world. So I can't imagine why you would have a problem with that, unless, of course, you just hate the idea of America, which is 100% possible. I, I understand that, and I know there's a lot of Americans that are disgusted with this program. I myself worry about the implications and the the legitimacy of actionable, the term actionable intelligence and the term enemy of the state, because that is that can be as loose or as tightly defined as one wants. Uh, and, and because we have lawyers running the system, that's a scary proposition. But on its face, I'm okay with it. It's it's when you have it's when you have people who are acting for America and going against the American machine and they are targeted as terrorists. That's when I have a problem because, you know, we have, um, uh, we have spies, air quotes there, in our system right now that released information to, uh, like WikiLeaks and stuff like that, who were doing so for American, uh, interest. But because it was not what the machine wanted them to talk about, then, and I'm talking about Bradley Manning, then, um, you know, he's, he's in the middle of a big S trial right now. So yes, he was a spy. Yes, he stole intelligence and he gave it out. But the, the rules are as thus. You must adhere to the orders of those above you as long as they are lawful. 
If they are no longer lawful orders, they are not orders to be standing on, and it is your duty. This is what I was taught as a soldier. It is your duty to bring it to the American or the hierarchy's attention. And that's what he was trying to do on, in his own words. Um, and, you know, to, to the state's credit, he's standing trial like he should be. Um, and he's not murdered like I believe China does a lot of the time or Russia. But, you know, it, it's, it's that line. Like, where does that line begin and end? And who's going to define it? And it's a scary thought, you know? Uh, okay, so let's let's continue here. On Friday, a three-judge federal appeals court panel unanimously ruled that the CIA gave an inadequate response to a lawsuit brought by the American Civil Liberties Union seeking records about drone strikes. The CIA had said it could neither confirm nor deny whether it had drone records because of security concerns. The judge who wrote the ruling noted that the president had publicly acknowledged that the United States uses drone strikes against al-Qaeda. Lethal action. Strikes by missile-armed predator and reaper drones against terrorism suspects overseas began under former President George W. Bush and were expanded by Obama. The ramp-up started in 2008, the last year of Bush's term, when there were 35 airstrikes in Pakistan and escalated under Obama to a peak of, hold your seats people, 117. And that was in 2010, according to the Long War Journal. That jump in the use of armed drones resulted from the authorization to use signature strikes, which allowed targeting terrorism suspects based on behavior and other characteristics without knowing their actual identity, and a U.S. official said on condition of an anonymity. So they don't have a clue who these targets are. No idea. They are basing their deaths from drone murders on suspected behaviors wow <laughs> that's that's america people you you may be champion and shouting america number one uh wrapping yourself in the flag but you can't help if you are a rational human being to take a step back at that caitlin hayden a spokeswoman for the White House National Security Council said the administration is committed to explaining to Congress and the public as much as possible about its drone policies, including how decisions to strike are made. We are constantly working to refine, clarify, and strengthen the process for considering terrorist targets for lethal action, Hayden says. The administration recognizes we are establishing standards other nations may follow. She said, James Lewis, a senior fellow at the Center for Strategic and International Studies think tank, said other countries, including Russia, have unarmed reconnaissance drones. China says it has an armed drone, but we don't know if it works, he said. Getting agreement on the application of existing humanitarian law to the new technologies is crucial, he said, because China and Russia do not endorse applying laws of armed conflict to new military technologies. One of the Obama administration moves toward refinement and transparency of standards. Drone strikes continue to spark outrage in countries where they are conducted. Washington has sought to portray civilian casualties from drone strikes as minimal, but groups collecting data on these attacks say they have killed hundreds of civilians. These drone strikes have killed hundreds of civilians, not terrorists. A UN human rights investigator who is looking into drone strikes worldwide said on Friday the US campaign has violated Pakistan's sovereignty. I would say Pakistan violated its own sovereignty 
by harboring Osama bin Laden. Now, they say they didn't know, and who knows, but... International debates. One focus of U.S. officials' internal debate is whether to shift drone operations to the Pentagon from the CIA. That would allow the CIA to return to more traditional operations of espionage and intelligence analysis and put the killing of terrorism targets in the hand of the military. It would probably be a phased approach that would account for differences in the threat and political sensitivities, said the second U.S. official. There would have to be some tailoring. In Pakistan, where the U.S. military is not in ground combat, the Obama administration would probably not want drone strikes to appear as being conducted by the military. In Yemen, there may not be the same sensitivities. U.S. military personnel are on the ground working with Yemenis in counterterrorism operations. The United States also carries out drone strikes in Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, and Somalia. I think if they moved it, not as a covert action program, but one of the tools of the warfighter, then the result of it is probably going to be more public exposure about what they're doing, Stephen Hadley, National Security Advisor under Bush said. A center of gravity in internal administration debates is the goal of greater consistency on how drone strikes are managed, decided upon, and executed, the second official said. The way I see it, if we are in open war with a country, that is the domain of the military. And so they should be conducting drone strikes. If it is counterterrorism in nature, if it is under the table, then yeah, the, the CIA, that's their grounds. That's their territory. So they should keep it up. What I don't like is announcing to the world which organization is doing the drone strikes, is conducting the drone strikes in which countries. That bothers me. And the fact that we're saying carte blanche, it's all the CIA, that bothers me. How can, here's what, here's what I don't understand about conspiracy theorists. If we are so stupid as to show our hands with these drones strikes and, 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 and where they're being conducted and, and who is conducting them, how could we ever have planned something as grand as 9-11 on our own soil? We are not that smart, people. Let's be fair. <laughs> I, that's actually really depressing. We're not that smart. Let's be fair. <laughs> but that's the reality of it, man. There's not this secret group of intelligent people running everything. First of all, real existence doesn't work that way. If you've ever been in a, a, a traffic jam, you know that. If you've ever been on Walmart, you know that. But... What, the people in these uh, high-level government jobs, they're just insanely intelligent, you know, the, the creme de la creme of humanity? No. Have you ever seen a politician? No. I don't think so. They are not. They're only the ones that took the money. They're the ones that, that had the biggest ego at the time, and they took the money. And so they were put into a position of power. Not that they're the smartest. Not that they're the most cunning. That's not how life works. If you can't recognize that, then you're just fooling yourself. And in, in which case, go continue being a goddamn sheep. I have no use for you. <laughs> Real world is much more complex than that, and we are not that smart. <laughs> it's just depressing that we're just, like, giving so much information away. Whatever happened to communication security, people? All right, uh, that's it for that article. Let's go ahead and move to the next one. This one... Uh, this is interesting. Um, not good. Interesting. This is BBC News Africa, uh, posted 15 March. Pedophilia, not criminal condition, says Durban Cardinal. The Catholic Archbishop of Durban, Wilfried Fox Napier, 
has described pedophilia as a psychological illness, not a criminal condition. Now, before I get into this, I've talked about this a lot. I, I say a lot, a handful of times on this show, where I actually agree that it is a mental, psychological thing. It's, it's the same thing, in my opinion, and that's based off of my psych teacher's actionable experience in trying to rehabilitate sexual criminals. Um, that you're just attracted to what you're attracted to. And that's something that's ingrained in you and you cannot change that. So pedophiles, they are sexually attracted to young children and they cannot help it. It is incurable because it is a part of who they are. Now, whether you want to define that as a psychological illness or a psychological statement, um, you know, I'll, I'll let these people decide on that. But it is incurable. It is the way they are. And if we as a society are going to say that this is wrong, then we have to recognize that fact and address it in that light. So if they are a pedophile, then we need, and, and we are going to say as a society that that is wrong, then we need to get rid of them. Period. Now that may sound harsh and maybe the next pedophile will, will come up with the warp drive or the, 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 the teleporter or whatever, but we have to, as a society, at some point say, this is right, this is wrong, this will never be changed because this is how they are, so we have to deal with it. Or we have to reevaluate what it means. You know, we have to redefine. And these are very challenging ideas and, and, and issues, but if we want to continue moving forward as a society, that these are the type of questions that we always have to address. The tough ones, not always the easy ones. Okay, so let me continue here. Um, and, and yeah, obviously it's a criminal condition before I dive in again, because that's what our society has said. Now, the age has always fluctuated throughout all of human society, culture to culture, but it is a, a, a constant in our modern world that it is not right, it is not socially acceptable, and it is illegal. So yes, Mr. Uh, Wilfred Fox Napier, you may be a cardinal, but you are wrong. It is a criminal condition because we as a collective world society have deemed it to be. And just because your diocese, just because your religion loves to rape children does not make it legal, you sick fuck. A South African cardinal told the BBC that people who were themselves abused as children and then abused others needed to be examined by doctors. He was one of 115 cardinals who took part in the conclave at the Vatican to elect Pope Francis earlier this week. The church has recently been dogged by scandals over clergy sex abuse. He's absolutely right. And this is, this is factual. I mean, if, if you were abused, then you continue that cycle of abuse. So an abuser doesn't just affect the abusee, he affects everyone that abusee is connected to for the rest of their life. So you can kill a pedophile, but if they've actually touched and, and affected other children, then they will continue that behavior. And so it is this sort of pyramid scheme of sickness, and it is real, and it happens right now, and it is not being dealt with. Criticism. In an interview with the Stephen Nolan program on BBC Radio 5 Live, Cardinal Napier referred to pedophilia as a psychological condition, a disorder. What do you do with disorders? 
You got to try and put them right. If I, as a normal being, choose to break the law, knowing that I'm breaking the law, then I need to be punished, he said. And he knew at least two priests who became pedophiles after themselves being abused as children. Now, don't tell me that these people are criminally responsible like someone who chooses to do something like that. I don't think you can really take that position and say the person deserves to be punished. He was himself damaged. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, this is that. This is the quote from this cardinal. Now, don't tell me that those people are criminally responsible, like someone who chooses to do something like that. I don't think you can really take the position and say that a person deserves to be punished. He was himself damaged. He is actually being fair to his religion in that statement. Turn the other cheek. Don't punish. But, whatever happened to responsibility? Whatever happened to personal accountability? Whatever happened to admitting when you have done something, owning up to it, and suffering the consequences for it? We don't live in a world, we never have, of turning the other cheek, of saying, well, he was abused, so it's okay, we'll continue to let him abuse others. That's not how it works, and that's not how it's ever worked. That's never how it will work. We cannot allow that. We have to force people to take responsibility for their actions. And this sick fucking cardinal, this sick, disgusting Catholic Church is perpetuating the problem. Cardinal Wilfred Nepier's comments triggered immediate criticism. Barbara Dorries, who was a child, who as a child was abused by a priest, works for the Survivors Network of Those Abused by Priests, which is based in Chicago. She told the BBC, If it is a disease, that's fine, but it's also a crime, and crimes are punished. Criminals are held accountable for what they did and what they do. Hear, hear. The bishop and the cardinals have gone to great lengths to cover these crimes, to enable the predators to move on, to not be arrested, to keep the secrets within the church. Michael Walsh, who has written a biography of late Pope John Paul II, says Cardinal Napierre's remarks were similar to the position once taken by the Catholic Church in the UK and the US. They did actually at one time believe it was a condition that could be dealt with. Many bishops were simply moving priests and trying to disguise the fact that they've been committing these crimes, Mr. Walsh told the BBC. Marie Collins, who was a victim of abuse, told the BBC, I think it is appalling that we have a cardinal, a man at this level in the church, that can still hold these views. He is totally ignoring the child. Uh, and that's not something a priest normally does. <laughs> Let's be fair. Uh, it's just shocking that in today's day and age, in today's day and age, they're trying to say we should not punish criminals for criminal behavior. We sh More to the point, let me drive it home. They do not think, the Catholic Church does not think, that they should punish child rapists for raping children. That is the Catholic Church. So don't pretend. Don't go through life pretending like there's nothing wrong with the organization or there's nothing wrong with the religion. There is something seriously wrong with it. With it all. It needs to be eradicated. And that's going to do it for the Infernal Informant. Let's take a short break and then we'll dive into the creature feature. 
What are we really talking about here? The Metro. What's the essence? Indulge yourself in that decadent decade of excess, the 1980s. All right. Listen to Radio Free Satan's very own program of music from the decade. That's going to be radical. With your host, Jay Nothing. What's he like our boss or what? No, no, he's the supervisor. He's not here at night. The Metro on Radio Free Satan. Nah, get out of town. Just you and me and the stiffs alone here. An hour of new wave, post-punk, and other retro music from the 1980s. Yeah, okay. We can make stuff. We can read. Coffee. This is great. I like it. Listen to the Metro only on RadioFreeSatan.com. Good. It's set. See you tomorrow night. Join me, David Ingram. They warned me Satan would be attractive. Along with my co-host. Me, the Impossible D. As we give metal bands a colossal commentary of constructive criticism. Alliteration! And throw in some witty banter for good measure. I think we're talking about uh, jism. Thanks for that, mate. (sighs) I don't want anything blowing sideways. Find us on metalbreakfastradio.com. This is Revan the Old Bishop. DarkSentinel.dk. Bugger the gobblers. And RadioFreeSatan.com. Hard to resist it was so foamy. I'll knock it off or I'll give you a slap. Uh, I like domination a lot. What's this show called? What do you mean, what is it called? You know, what's the name of the show? What, like the title? What's the title of the show? Is that what you're asking me? Yeah, what's the big deal? What's the title of the show? Look, it should be good enough for you and for any of you other... Generation Y as a X as a W as a Z as a or whatever fancy letter you're sitting on today to to realize it. It's not about what the title is. It's not about when I was your kid. There's only one thing that we had growing up. When we wanted to watch a show, we just turned on the telly on Saturday mornings, and you know what we got? Do you know? Do you have any idea what we got? No, I have no idea. Why are you freaking out? Every single Saturday. And we didn't know what shows were, what, what titles were, or, or what... We, we had no choices on what to watch. We were stuck with the creature feature. And so are you. Oh, yeah, let's talk about Cross. All right, so first episode, the first issue of Cross, four-part comic, written by yours truly, under Tribe After Dark as the publisher is available now so you can visit tribeafterdark.com and you will see the information there to purchase the comic okay so it was drawn by scott sheshi shihai an old longtime friend of mine uh who is uh doing tribe studio comics uh great illustrator good friend and i still can't pronounce his last goddamn name (laughs) i've known this dude for years since i was in the army um okay so uh, he 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 drew it i wrote it i reached out to josh lotta to color the cover and then i um designed the cover around that designed the logo and put it out so this is about a nun who um the comic opens as the nun is giving advice to a young woman about uh, sexual activity, and she gives some 
really shocking bad advice for a nun to give if you could imagine what a good advice a nun would give would be and then immediately has a seizure or she just passes out she wakes up immediately regretting thinking what she said um was what you the reader read and it actually wasn't and so the girl went off uh to have her day and then she went and sort of sat down with the the religious institutions um sort of headmaster if you will this headmaster starts probing her for a history of uh issues with these these mental conditions and you can immediately tell right off the bat that there's something off either this headmaster is sexually attracted to this nun or he is hiding something from her but he wants to tell her uh, what's going on she has no idea um, and then it immediately cuts to these two young men who are connected to the young woman at the very beginning of the story talking about how uh, one of them is the boyfriend and he's going to get with her if he could just get past these damn sermons that the father is telling the headmaster and then a little bit of a surprise ending which is the point of the entire comic so it's about a nun who rectifies we'll say sinners sometimes before they sin <laughs> at the best of god and the devil that's right there are no good or bad everyone is operating in self-interest so how could there be and she is a weapon and that's really what it's all about that is the core of this comic it's about this woman who knows nothing about herself being used as a weapon by both heaven and hell caught in the middle committing what human beings would consider horrible crimes as a supernatural creature of sorts this this demon this hermaphrodite demon <laughs> this is kind of cool <laughs> um it is available right now we originally now th this is my first foray into comics so i know nothing about publishing comics or spreading around comics or or what companies to use so i kind of relied on tribe uh, studio comics to tell me what they do normally and they use a website called graphically which provides a digital version of the comic on both the graphically website and facebook so if you buy the comic it's 99 cents uh super cheap uh, 12 pages of the comic and story and then a couple ads at the end but you're getting the story in a digital form in these other places now i actually thought going into it i didn't look into it i just sort of went into it and i thought you would get like a pdf as well so because i know not everyone looks at comics on their um on graphically's website or on facebook for example maybe you want to open it up in itunes or maybe you want to open the pdf up in kindle well you can't do that if we just use graphically so what i'm going to do is anyone who bought the comic already um just shoot me an email shoot me a, a copy of the the receipt of purchase and i'm going to send you a high resolution pdf high resolution so you can print it if you want to print it or you can just look at it on whatever device at whatever resolution and it's going to be beautiful and crisp and clean and and uh really you're going to get the great product so i will give you the free pdf i do not want to screw anyone out of this i kind of felt weird when i found out it was only digital and you didn't actually get the pdf from it um a little bit weird in my opinion so what i'm what i'm doing is is trying to convince tribe after dark the publisher of these this series 
to open up an online store and I'll just sell the PDFs directly on their website uh, to you, the audience, or, or whomever wants to pick it up. And you'll be able to get the PDF there free. Uh, it'll be emailed to you so you can open it on whatever device you want to open it on and it'll be saved right there for you to view it at your leisure. Or if you ever just want to continue purchasing through Graphically, you can continue doing so and I'll just give you the PDF for free as well. I, I want to make sure that it's available if you're going to buy it in whatever format you want to view it in. That's kind of the bottom line. You know, it's, it's about you being able to enjoy this comic and that's that's what I want you to do. So for the second um, well, well, let me sort of backtrack here. For this first comic, I really allowed, you know, the lettering was done by Tribe Studio Comics, uh, Joe Flores. Um, uh, really, the layout was headed up mainly by Scott and Joe and Tribe Studio Comics. And then we just sort of published it through Tribe After Dark. For the second one, I'm going to be taking a much more personal approach. I have to completely rewrite the story because, again, you know, when we started this thing, it was back when I was in the military, and that was, oh, geez, 98. So it's it's been a long time um, since we started writing it. And so uh, I want to make sure it's it's an entertaining story for you, that it's worth your time and it's worth your money. Um, but more importantly, that it's something that I'm going to be proud of as a lasting project and that maybe in the future I can go back and refine. So, you know, I am actively working on the second through fourth issues and uh, they will be released here shortly. And I hope that you will give it a, a chance. I made a little intro video about the comic. It's really kind of just a promotional tool, but it's on the YouTube page for nine cents. If you haven't seen that already, go ahead and look it up. And yeah, yeah, give the comic a chance because I think it's it's worthy of your time. I think the story is going to be fun. Uh, it's not earth shattering. It is a comic. So, you know, keep that in mind. But yeah, if you want to support the show, this is one of the many ways that you can do so. And I would appreciate it if you did. Um, so yeah, that's going to do it for the creature feature. Thank you so much for sitting through the show. And wow, you know what? We're going to be looking very good around an hour. We haven't done that in a little while. So <laughs> that's, that's pretty exciting stuff. Yay. <laughs> that's going to do it for another show, people. I hope you enjoyed it. I would love to hear from you. Visit the website, 9centspodcast.com and send you correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let me know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. You can visit the Satanet, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, or MySpace page for 9 cents and get updated on weekly topics. Listen to the show at RadioFreeSatan.com or download the show Monday nights via my RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. We're also on Last.fm, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube, so look for us there. You can subscribe to 9 cents via iTunes by searching 9 cents and don't forget to leave a rating or comment. If you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. And if you'd like to hear other fine satanic voices, music, or personalities, visit radiofreesatan.com, the source for online satanic media. Once again, thank you for joining me. And as always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell. And until next week, hail Satan.